Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The shark baby has such teeth there. And it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie baby. And it keeps it uh, out of sight. You know when that shark bites. So welcome everybody to the latest edition of Macklin's Take. And today we're in, we're just around Baker Street. We're in BXR, which is a fairly well-worn uh, path actually for, for myself and Matt. They have quite a lot of open workouts down here for Matt's room shows for, for Sky. So I've been down here a, a few times. It's one of a number of gyms that have sprung up in the last two or three years maybe basically offering the kind of boxing experience but in a bit of comfort I think that's probably fair to say because we were talking about this on the way here about how the boxer size if you like and just boxing classes really sprung up in the early 2000s and people started to find real boxing gyms and go to them and, and they enjoyed it for a bit and then they got a little bit tired of the fact that generally they're difficult to get to Uh, and that the facilities maybe weren't the best. And today's guest will know all about that, believe me. So today we've got an active fighter, and we haven't actually had too many of them on the podcast so far. There's not been any reason for that, uh, that we haven't invited uh, too many active fighters down to join myself, uh, Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. Demetrius Andrade, I think, is the only other one we've had, Matt. And he's a world champion, and things are... Things are going very well for him. He signed with Matchroom USA in the zone, but he still had his frustrations. He wouldn't really get into them too much. We tried to kind of prize them out of him, but he's had a career where things haven't always gone according to plan. And today's guest, I wouldn't say she's at the opposite end of the spectrum because she's 6-0. She was a very good amateur. She's got a WBC international title but the reason we wanted to speak to Sherelle Brown who, who joins us and thanks very much for joining us by the Thank way. Thank you for having me. Is because I think it's useful to shine a light on how boxing works because if you don't have a big name promoter and there are plenty of very good fighters who don't uh, you look at what you achieved as an amateur for example and 
I think it was probably the fact that you weren't at an Olympic weight. That seems to have been a key thing for female boxers over the last few years. If you don't have that backing from the start, then things can be very, very difficult. So just just paint us a picture of where you are in your career at the moment and what your kind of what the grind is like for you because this mm. WBC international belt you've got you're 12 I think now with the WBC in the rankings that's just in a, in a glass cabinet being showcased behind us and this is a great place I mean this mm. is these are plush surroundings but just 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 tell us what what it's like um, if I said to you that it, it was it's been perfect I think I'd be lying to you um, I really I think I was kind of sold a dream when I came to signing my pro contract after my weight wasn't in the Olympics. It was like, you know, come with me and I'll make you a world champion. And you hear those words and you're like, I can do it. I can be a world champion. This is my second, you know, my second chance. I didn't make the team, the the GB team. And you kind of go with it. And then I remember this. This is what kind of switched it for me. I turned up at the British Board of Control for the questioning. Um, It's like you have like a quick questioning thing. And they said... Guys, just so you know, if you're on a ticket deal, it's not recognised by the British Border Control. And I think I was like, oh, okay. What does that mean? Because I, I never had the option of being signed. Because apparently, you, I don't even know now. Apparently, you get signed and you get some kind of a fee. I have no idea what that is. I was just told, you know, sign with me. How many tickets can you sell? And that's it. And we'll make you a world champion. So you have your first fight, your debut. And everyone's there and they're watching. You sell a hell of a lot of tickets. And you're like, okay. And you take a bit of money away and it's great. You have a second fight. You still sell a lot of tickets, but then that number's slowly dropping. And you make a bit of money, but not as much as before. And then you have your third fight and then the fourth. And then for my last three fights, I haven't made any money at all. I think the only reason I got a bit of money for this fight is because I called up my manager and I said, listen, my coach is going away. He's short on cash. Can you just give him something? Can you just give me some money so I can give him some money? Because I haven't paid him for the last few camps and, you know, he's given up a lot. And that's the only reason I kind of got anything at all. Otherwise, literally, I've just, I've fought for love. And um, I think it was the Kirsty Bravington fight that made me realise, like, whoa, it's a 10-rounder. The fights are getting tougher. And I need, I think I should start being paid a little bit because if I get injured, who's going to look after me? Uh, if I can't pay my bills and stuff like that. So I think now it's really hitting home that I'm not where I thought I would be. So just for the uninitiated, uh, and most people who listen to this are are initiated, but just in case, just explain what a ticket deal is and what that means. Just explain what a ticket deal is for for having a fight and how it works and what that means. All right, so with the ticket deal, um, you have to pay £1,000 into the house for London. I know this is how it works here. Then you have to pay for your opponent. Uh, Female opponents are a lot more expensive. So I think for me, for a four-rounder, it was about £2,000. And then for a six-rounder, we're looking at £2,300. And then I think a lot more for a 10-rounder. So, sorry, uh, where I'd make a lot more money before, um, it's just not happening now. The opponent's too expensive. By the time I paid the opponent, the house, then I've had to have sold double the amount a male fighter would have to kind of you know, sell, and I'm generally just not making any money. It's only because I love boxing, and I just can't imagine right now in this period of my life without boxing that I keep doing it, and I know that maybe I need to see if I can prove this theory wrong. If I keep going, someone will snap me up at some point. 
that's really interesting because we, when we came to talk to you today, we were, we were chatting about this and, and the one thing we said between the two of us was, what we're doing here is we're talking to an up-and-coming fighter on the rise, a talented fighter. We're not going to make this about the fact that she's female because as far as we're concerned, boxing's boxing. Uh, but that's where we need to get to. But we're not there yet, are we? That's where society needs to get to across all sorts of areas, but we're not there yet. To hear you say that it costs you twice as much or three times as much to get an opponent as it would for a male, is that because there just aren't that many to pick from so they can set a higher price? Yeah, so this, I was having, having this discussion the other day. I said, there's not a lot of females in, say, the, the boxing environment at the minute, but I said, if Matt Troom and Frank Warren were to sign more females... It would make the market more fluctuate. Like you'd have more females, and then the cost you'd bring the cost down because because the demand is so high for a journey woman, then the cost can be high. But if they started to sign more females, the more females you have, then that price would slowly come down. It's like anything, isn't it? It's demand. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when there's not that many women boxers at that level, at that weight, available at that time, you're very, very limited to the amount of opponents that are available to take mm. the fight that are worthy, etc. So they know that. And if they're taking it where they're not, they haven't had the, you know, the best preparation, it's a bit of a short notice job, they're going to name a price that's basically too good to turn down, which therefore, you know, it, it drives the cost of mm. everything up. Yeah. And that's, that's the predicament that I'm in. You know, I mean, I take my hat off to Kirsty Bravington because she took the fight and there's, you know, there's always a risk when anyone takes a fight um, and you know she she came and fought me because I'm being avoided that's one of the other issues I'm being avoided or people asking obscene amounts of money for me to um, you know to fight them like Katie Taylor's fighting the, the lady from Greece now we got offered that fight um, it was early on in my career and they wanted us to travel to Greece and they said there was no way they were coming to, to, to England at all to fight we had to go to their home territory and then I remember just turning on I think uh, Instagram or whatever and I saw her fighting Katie Taylor and I was like money talks if you don't have that big promoter it's it's a lot harder and I think the only reason I'm going is because like I said I love it and I'm trying to prove that you can hopefully get there and yeah go from there and what was in, what's interesting about that example you bring up there Taylor and uh, Linodatu Christine Linodatu who fights on November the 2nd is that that, that power play is is in evidence even between those two, because at the press conference, you probably saw it, her manager, Linda Dartu, said, well, one thing I don't really like about this fight is that we're the champion, we don't get a rematch clause. Katie Taylor is the challenger, she gets a rematch clause. She's got the whole vehicle behind her, Matt, and she's earned it, don't get me wrong, she has earned it, but that, that is just how the situation is. Yeah, but this is nothing new in boxing, this has been going on with Mayweather and Pacquiao, and, and way before that, you know, Pacquiao dragging Miguel Cotto down to 10 stone 5, you know, weakening him. You know, then, the, you know, Mayweather with Canelo getting the fight down at one, was it 151 and a half or 152 and a half? You know, then there's a rehydration clause, all these things. Mm. It's, um, you know, you could say it's an abuse of power, but then if you're the man, they say he, he who pays the piper calls the tune, mm. you know, and, yeah. it, you know, and that's really what it comes down to. And it's the bottom line. It's not fair, but it's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just listening to Shirelli and I'm thinking, you know, the saying, it's tough at the top, and it is tough at the top. Mm. But let me tell you, it's tough at the bottom too, for different reasons. You know, when you're, when you're working full-time, um, 
you know, and you, you, you're trying to get fights and you're trying to stay in shape and it's difficult, you know, and you, you're not, you're not, you haven't got a big promoter behind you, you haven't got any television money backing and you're just waiting for the phone to ring and especially, and then you can be a victim of your own success because if you're a good fighter but you're not bringing any money to the table or any belts, you're high risk, low reward, you can just be frozen out. Yeah. It's, I mean, I love boxing. I love it as a, as a sport and, and, I, and I love the business side too. I am intrigued and, and the chaos, I think, makes it, so intriguing mm. but sometimes as well you see certain people and you hear their stories and your heart goes out to them because it's not fair it's not a fair business they're boxing hey hey, ki- hey kids hey everybody sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher how you doing sir I am uh, in health thank you are you uh, excited about something I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called The Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to The Desire and Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when you're an amateur, you can't avoid anyone. You've got the championships. You're either in them and you're not. No one can, can kind of dictate anything. Who, the per, you know, the people that dictate is England boxing, you know, and, and that's the one thing I'd say I miss. You know, you go to the world championships and you just fight whoever's in front of you. Or you go to any tournaments, you just, and that's the one thing I miss, the, the, the competitiveness. And I think, once again, I think, because I've been in this a little while now, you, you, I'm kind of learnt, literally learning on the job. And, you know, one of the things I'm doing now is networking, you know. You know, the, the kind of background I was from was don't ask for help, you know. We don't ask for help, we, we do it ourselves. But I've come to the point where I'm asking anyone and anybody who can help me. You know, uh, my friend gave me this verification badge because I know maybe if I get verified on Instagram or Twitter, that just might be enough to get, you know, you know, sponsorship from a big brand because it's changed. Everything's on Instagram. So if I don't have a certain amount of followers, you know, Nike won't come to me at all. I mean, I've, I've said this to you so many times, Andy. It's so crucial in professional boxing that you're, you're, you're on the right ship with the right people steering it because doors can be closed or doors can be open depending on who's batting for you. Mm-hmm. If you're not with someone that, A, knows what they're doing are connected you know can make the stuff happen open the doors you know you may be the best fighter in the world but if you if, if you've got you know a b c a c level d level manager promoter looking out for you, you, you the years can just pass you by mm-hmm. and it's um it's crucial and but it, and it's but and at the same time it's such a difficult because you're a young fighter you're coming out of the amateurs who do you listen to? There's that many sharks out there, that many cowboys mm. trying to get into boxing, smooth talkers, like you said, can sell you the dream. I remember Buddy McGurk, me and my brother Shane was saying to Buddy, Buddy, why, why do all these fighters sign with Dan King, man? When, they, when he's, a, you know, his reputation is obvious to go, man, mm. he can sell you the dream. You know what I mean? That's it, he can sell you the dream. And actually, Dan King was someone that probably could deliver things as well, but obviously, whatever other stuff went with him but even without going into America just in this country you know there's you, it's usually quite common sense you know you look at boxing and you look at the, 
who's boxing on television. You're either with Matt Room on Sky or with Frank Warren mm. on BT. Then there's a few Skys that work closely with Frank or a few guys that lurk, work closely with it. And you can see them because they're in the corner with certain guys that are fighting on, on these television shows. But if you're going then, if you're signing with some guy that's, yeah, he's a bit of a smooth talker, but what's he really done? Yeah. What has he delivered for anyone? And then, But, you know, if you're naive and you listen to him and he, he does sell you the dream and you do sign and all of a sudden... You know, you're a year down the line, two years down the line, nothing's really happened for you, but they're promising you, oh, listen, I'm working on it, yeah. I'm waiting on a call, I've spoke to him, he's getting back to me next week. And you just kept in promised land and yeah. it's lip service. Do next you, thing you know, it, years are passing you, know you by. It is? It's the fact that in the amateurs, you're looked after so well. So you have your club and your club pushes you and your club promotes you. And then all of a sudden, you come to the pros and that's, you know, you don't have them anymore, you don't have that structure. And then you're kind of left to, to fend for, you know, for yourself. And it's like, it's all about your education and the knowledge you have. And I, I posted on Twitter the other day, before any of you guys are thinking about turning pro, start asking questions, speak to people, ask them about their experiences, who to stay away from, who to kind of go with, whose attention to get, you know, maybe take your time and, and, and do it that way. And that's, that's the advice I'd give to any person or thinking about, you know, being a professional. I think because it's now, I'm... I'm realising that I did, in hindsight, which is great, if I could have held off, I would have. If I could have made sure I was in the right place and pestered Eddie Hearn, then I would have. And this is one of the reasons why I'm working in BXR. Not only are they, they've, they've, you know, they appreciate me and they think I'm talented, you know, they're they're looking after me financially, they're giving me the flexibility I need to train now. And like you said, Eddie Hearn comes here for press conferences for Matchroom. You know, he was here the other day and I was training. But it's funny, um, I'm, I'm doing this thing, I don't want to go into too much detail because you'll see it soon. But it's pretty much like writing a letter to Eddie Hearn saying you see him and you really want to go up to him on the inside. I feel like going up to him going, hey, look, look what I've done. Like, why are you not signing me? What do I need to do? Tell me, you know. Um, but in real in realness, I, I, I see him and you know, I just kind of curl into a ball. I just feel like I don't want to be rejected. I don't want him to tell me I'm not good enough because I think coming from him, that would really get to me. But you've got to develop that, that rhinoceros hide. You, you can't mm. be worrying about things yeah. like that. You, you said, you said just, just a few minutes ago that, that the way you were brought up really was not to ask for help, but now you're, you're, you're asking more questions and, and you absolutely have to do that. And, and it doesn't come naturally to lots of people. No. It doesn't necessarily come naturally to lots of, to lots of fighters that I've, that I've met. But I think about someone like Jessica McCaskill, who I know a bit about. And she, she moved to Chicago, started boxing or, or continued boxing. I think she might, might have been boxing already by the time she got there. There was no infrastructure for women's professional boxing there at the time. But she found a gym. She found her trainer. And she just pushed and pushed and pushed and kept going to shows and pestering um, Leon Morgules from, from Warriors Boxing, big promoter. And, and eventually he took her on. Mm. And, and then she waged this campaign to get t- Katie Taylor in the ring, m- mocking up these fake milk cartons with Taylor's picture on the back. And at the time they were just wondering, who is she? Like, what? You know, who even are you? But in the end... It worked. She got the fight. Yeah. And now she's, you know, she's your division. She's yeah, a unified yeah. champion. And... and but that is a lot of, that's a lot of hard graft, but really it's, it's kind of the only way. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I think first image of me, if I've got, I've, I've kind of got a resting bee face, like <laughs> that kind of face. And I look like I'm, you know, this 
tough person and stuff, but like honestly, I like Danielle still walking on the beach and flowers. Like that's my personality, and I, I also maybe at some point I'm gonna have to do this, but I feel like I'm losing my integrity when I'm attacking. You know, someone like Katie Taylor when she's she's very good at what she does. You know, people like Chantel Cameron they're very good at what they do. Jessica McCaskill very good at what they do. I mean, what has she done to me? To, to say, oh, you know, I, I can do this. You know, if I did it in an analysing way, I'm more than happy to say, you know, this is how I think you could beat this person and such and such. But the kind of person I am, and maybe this is the problem because it's a business, this is why I'm not getting the attention, you know, that maybe I want, want because I'm not willing to, you know, attack people and no, well, I think kind of way. It, I think it's important to stay true to yourself. Don't try and be somebody you're not. Mm. But there's no doubt that certain people who have got a neck on them who are brash in their talk. They're great self-promoters. You know, I, I couldn't do that either. I couldn't, mm. you know, Tony Bellew, you know, the Conor McGregor's, these kind of people, they've, you know, the, the front's on them. It's admirable. You know what I mean, mm. and look what it's done for them. It's opened doors. It's got them fights and, and, and more power to them and credit to them. But, you know, if you're not like that, then you shouldn't try and be like yeah. that. There's, there's, there's other ways to go. You know, Prince Nassim Hamed was that type. Ricky Hatton was the other end of the spectrum. He wasn't like that, but he still built up a great follow, following and had a great thing. But he, mm. I suppose he had a good promoter behind him and the promotional job with him is probably a slower one because he's not brash, he's not calling people out. And if that's not your personality, then I don't think you should yeah. try and, and be something you're not. Yeah. But it's, um, it's, just, it's just sitting down with someone, I suppose. Your, your manager, really, and your promoter, they should be thinking, right... How are we going to market this girl? What, mm. what way do we, are we going to promote her? Is, yeah. is she got, she's not a brash talker. She doesn't want to slag people off. That's not how she is. Okay, then, well, which way are we going to go? Because you do need a plan. You don't want to be just drifting aimlessly from fight to yeah, fight. Yeah. You want some kind of strategic, you know, plan to the top, really, or a route. You think, well, mm. you know what? This is how we're going to market you. This is, this is, the, this is your personality. This yeah. will suit you. And, you know, the... the in an ideal world, this is going to be how the next 18 months looks. Now, that's up to us, when I say us, the manager and the promoter then, to get, you know, on the phone, send in the emails, get on yeah. the social media. And, you know, maybe you don't want to call people out, but that doesn't mean they can't call yeah, yeah, them yeah. out on your behalf. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I didn't even think about it like that. No, it's true. I mean, I think, like I said, one of the good things is that I'm here. So at some point, maybe if I see Eddie Hearn enough, I'm just going to say, listen, look, like... Hello, and you know that's one of the things like the the belt in the the trophy cabinet. He's gonna walk past it at some point. He's gonna walk past it. Who is who is that? You know, and maybe I'll I'll get his attention that way. But again, you know, like I invest. But just email him. Just email yeah. him. You well, don't have, you don't have to. You don't have to, number, but I'm just you don't like, have to <laughs> jump in the ring and call Katie yeah. Taylor out. That's not the per. That's not your personality. Yeah, you should never yeah. be someone you're not. But you you can email Eddie Hearn. You can yeah. ring his office. Bring him ten times a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can I give you his <laughs> number? You did for me. Shut up. But you know, seriously, yeah, you, you yeah, know, yeah. if you don't knock the door, nobody's going to open no, it. That's true. You know what I mean? You don't ring the phone, no one's going to answer. You yeah. know, you don't ask, you don't get. You got to, you've got to push yourself out you, there. You know what? Like I, I put it this way, and I think you're completely right. I think it's the knockbacks. It's the knockback after knockback, and you get to a point where you're a little bit more resistant about it. But it's like, I think. After the, the fight, which we were discussing earlier on, and that got knocked back, and from what I know, it may have just been Eddie Hearn that may have been the one that had to say yes or no. That really put me in a bit of a, a dark place. Like, I, like last week, I was like, 
I didn't even want to run last week. And I had to really, it's only because I've got a good network around me. They're like, listen, okay, have a couple of days off, you know, mope around and then pull yourself back together. It's because I've got people like Richard Moore, Ram Lally and Chris Lloyd that are there going, listen, we know you're good. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Keep going, you know. So if you don't mind, we'll that's actually a really good kind of case study what's just happened to you so correct me if i get any of this wrong but what as i understand it as i say you're you're ranked 12 with the wbc you've got that wbc international super lightweight title now that's an interesting division because katie taylor has just started boxing in that division or will have done on november the 2nd she's going for that wbo title and Mm. it would appear that the whole world revolves around her from, from what i'm saying um with regard to your career and other people's but in a way it kind of does mm. and the WBC champion currently is is another fighter we mentioned Jessica McCaskill she's also got the WBA title now you were offered a I don't know if it was a final eliminator or an eliminator with Chantal Cameron who actually won a final eliminator at lightweight with the WBC as well but with the WBC at 140 pounds the potential opportunity there, of course, is if you win it, then you'll get a crack at the WBC title. That could be still McCaskill say, mm. you beat her, you win both her belts, and all of a sudden you are you are the person that you're in the unification with Katie yeah. Taylor. And this is how you have to think, isn't it, Matt? You think that far down that far down the line. So just just firstly, yeah. is that what happened? And so take us through it. So I get a call, um, I get told you've been offered uh, been offered five and a half grand to fight Chantal Cameron on an MTK show for your belt. So the first thing I said was to my team, what do you think? And they said, we're not happy with the time of the camp. Um, You've had your hand injury. You know, she's fit. And I said, I agree with you. Do you think I can win? You know, basic conversations. And then for me, the first thing that comes in is I'm the champion. I'm being asked to fight on an MTK show as the the opposite corner, not the house corner, the opposite corner. And then you start getting, I'll be honest with you, like maybe people don't talk about it, but you're like, wow, you know, are the odds really against me? And then, you know, I start calling close friends and I say, what do you think about this? Is it a good idea? And you get mixed opinions. Some people are saying, just go for it, just go for it. Um, and in my hearts of hearts, I respect Chantel and I respect the sport of boxing. And I honestly believe I would need a full camp to have a good chance against Chantel. Um, so in the end, I think my team turned it down. Then they came back with another offer. And the other offer was six and a half. And I think my team was like, it's not enough. It's, it's not uh, the camp's under six weeks or six weeks or something like that. Um, you know, we're not really that interested. And then we wait. And in the meantime, I'm lucky enough to have good networks and good friends. So I get on the phone to Richard Moore and I'm like, yo, Richard, I've been offered this fight. What do you think? He's saying, great opportunity. Um, you know what? Let me speak to uh, you know, such and such at AJ Boxing and see if we can try and convince Eddie to put it on a matchroom show. You know? And then I spoke to Chris about it and Chris was like, okay, yeah, let, let's see if, if both of us go to Eddie. 
No, one, it's a good thing for women's boxing, Chantel, myself, everyone's agreeing. And then I get the call, like, pretty much two and a half weeks later, that it's a no, and it's, it's not happening. Um, and that was a very, <laughs> yeah. So, so, Matt, this is, this is difficult, isn't it? Because these are the scenarios we talk about relatively often. Now, it would appear, and I think it's fairly obvious, that from Chantal Cameron's side, from her team's side, they've looked at Sherelle Brown and thought, great, she's got the WBC International, she's got a good ranking. She's got something we want. She's going to be in the away corner. We're going to try and stack everything as much in our fighters' favour as we possibly can. Maybe she heard about this fight further out than you did and maybe she was already training. I don't know. It's possible Mm. these things happen. And it was being engineered, this fight, as a means of them creating a situation where their fighter, Chantal Cameron, could take the belt off Sherelle Brown, who is the unbacked, unfancy fighter. And that would work for them. The decision that she had to make there is not an easy one. No, but it... I mean, part of me listening to Sherelle feels sorry for her and sympathises with, with the situation. And, and, and I know fighters that have been in that same position. And then the other part of me thinks, like, how did you turn that fight down? You, mm. You're telling us how difficult it is. You're getting six weeks' notice. You're not three stone overweight where you need six weeks to get to the six-week stage. Mm. You know, this is an opponent that... If you lost, but part of a great performance, it's still going to enhance your reputation, which is going to open doors for your career. I just, you know, I'll give you an example of someone from a few years back. Patrick J. Maxwell, Pat Maxwell, I sparred hundreds and hundreds of rounds with Pat. First in Birmingham when I was training with Paddy Lynch, and secondly up in uh, uh, Billy Graham's in Manchester. Now, Pat was a talented fighter. He could punch, like a, he hit really hard, had a good chin. He was mad awkward. You know, he was with Brendan Ingle for a while, so he switched it for a bit. Then he was, like, jumping around the body belt, you know, body shots, loading up. He, he, I mean, he was probably more of a gym fighter than he was a fighter, but he, he was massive. Didn't sell a ticket. Didn't have a promotional contract with anyone big. You know, basically, he was high up on the who needs him list. And Pat a blow up to two stone overweight and think he's going to get 10 weeks notice for a fight. But you're lucky if you get the call at two weeks' notice as absolute last resort because mm. you need you to save the show. That, who's going to fight you? The only way you're going to get an opportunity is by a default, yeah. really, because you, you don't bring anything to the table except danger. You know what I mean? So, but this guy's, you know, walking around two stone overweight thinking he's going to get 10 weeks. No, he's absolutely deluded. Mm. You know, in the end, he probably, you know, probably ended up taking fights then that wasn't ready for you know years down the line when he was getting absolutely desperate and ended up doing nothing really like i say probably was more of a gym fighter anyway. but the point being you know don't be reading and this would be my advice to you Charles, don't yeah. be like reading boxing newses and hearing about 10 and 12 week camps up people them 10 and 12 weeks camps came in for ricky hatton because he had three stone to lose to get to the six week stage mm. you know if you're Maybe, maybe the odds are stacked against you. Yeah, maybe, no. maybe it is difficult for you. So then, then you've got to be prepared to take the to short take end it, or yeah. go in as the B side. And you know, maybe you have to do that a few times. Gennady Golovkin, when he when he tried to come to America, was world champion and was one of the most avoided fighters in the world because everyone in the know knew you don't want to fight this guy. He's the absolute business. 
You know what I mean? I knew that when I fought him, but... <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. the only person they managed to talk into it was but, you. But I'm stupid. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I was stupid. My pride yeah. used to get me in trouble. I couldn't turn a fight yeah, down, yeah. and I let my ego and my pride make me make decisions that were absolutely stupid. But taking my fighters and my pride and all out of it and putting my manager's cap on and speaking now, yeah. now that I'm not emotionally involved in my own career to someone, it's like, you know... The odds are stacked against you. Yeah. You don't have a big TV promoter behind yeah. you. You're, you're not going to get 10 weeks those, which, in my opinion, nobody should be training for 10 weeks anyway unless you've got three stone to lose. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it, I just think in this... I just, that's you a fight. If you're, if you're struggling to get fights and then someone yeah. comes to you, Chantel Cameron goes, there's six weeks' notice... I wouldn't be letting things like B-sides and yeah, yeah. all that get in my head. You know I'd, I'd have just picked that hand off. No, like, like we were talking about it earlier and I always think it's good to get, you know, different opinions and different constructive criticism and trust me, I thought about every option. Because another thing and this is, you know, when you were saying you asked a few people and your strength and conditioner, like, all due respect to any strength and conditioner, and your strength and conditioner may be the best strength and conditioner in the world, mm. but it's a strength and conditioner. It's not your boxing coach. It's not yeah. someone who's got knowledge in boxing. Yeah, yeah. It's a strength and conditioning. And maybe the job there, maybe you're their biggest project and their mm. advert for their strength and conditioning. No, um, and if they they might be so scared of failure yeah. that but they don't want you to take a fight of them unless they're 100% sure you're yeah. going to win it. You know what I mean? And then maybe, that, maybe the strength and conditioning isn't going to be perfect in six weeks, but... It's, life I know, ain't I perfect you know what I mean when you get these yeah. opportunities some, and I'm not saying you, you should no, have no, done this no, when you're no, younger no, I'm no, sure no, opportunities no, will come sure. again yeah. but they're not going to keep coming do you know no, what no, I mean like, no, so I, when, I agree when with what you you're saying them. but the thing I think with me I work behind a team I think mean, I'm smart yeah. enough at this point that I've got you know my, my coach is there um, I've got someone who's acting on behalf like an agent who was negotiating and helping with Chris and that and it was it was a group decision I mean I respect my coach. You know, he's the guy I'm going to look at if I get put on the floor and whatever. And it was a decision where he'd spoken to the conditioning coach. We'd all spoken together. We all had a, you know, a discussion. And it was overall, it was like, I'm not trying to get on your back. No, 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 no. I want you to be feel like I'm on your back. I'm feeling sorry for you because I can see you're someone that eats, sleep, breathes it, putting everything into it. And I'm, it's frustrate. I'm frustrated for you yeah. that you're not getting the breaks, but then, but then you have had a break and you didn't take yeah. it. So it's a bit. You know what I mean? It's a bit. It's no, no. Yeah. Of course. I mean, like I said to you, I lost loads of sleep over it. I don't think I got any sleep that night. Going, all right, okay, this has happened. They've offered this, and you know, it's good for women's boxing. Should I do it? Should I? and I genuinely lost sleep, and I thought, okay, in this moment, I was still trying to go towards matchroom and try and bring the platform a little bit higher. So. You know, when it came back to just being MTK, I was trying to put it on neutral grounds. When it came back to just the MTK show, and then as the negotiation was going on, weeks had been passing, I'm training, you know, and then it turned around, and it was just like, no, you know, it was that in the end, everyone, my team said no, and I'm going to respect my team. And I guess it's good to have a different perspective because I spoke to Spencer Fearon, and he said the same thing. He said, sis, like, sometimes you just got to go for it, you just got to get yourself in, you know, the right place. Um, and I, I, you know, I thought about it, and again, hindsight is a beautiful thing. You know, as we're talking about it, I'm like, fuck it. I mean, excuse my language. Should I have done it? Should I, you know, or whatever? And it's like, part of me is like, I'm a fighter, I want to fight, but it's not a sport anymore, it's a business. And I think 
I'm lucky enough to have a good support network around me who believes in maybe protecting me to some degree. But it's good to get a different perspective, so thank you. But what, what you've just highlighted there, the very last thing you said is, is, is key because it's not... These are really, really difficult decisions and over-negotiating or what turns into having over-negotiated and pushed a little bit too far, how do you know where that line is? How do you know where it is? Where to draw it between I've got to be fair to myself and hold out for what I'm worth? But once you step over that and things start to take a little bit too long, a fight that's not in that, that important to a really big promoter, they'll just run out of, of patience mm. with it. And from, from the point of view of what Matt said and what Spencer has said, they're two enormously experienced kind of people in boxing have been around mm. boxing forever and not, I mean I spend a lot of time with him but it's it's <laughs> and it's fine <laughs> but what I'm, <laughs> what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is a very small percentage of people in boxing have access to someone like him or, or Spencer mm. to be able to ask advice from all the rest of us really we, including me in, in my own profession when I'm thinking about the business of boxing we're all just guessing everybody's just guessing you're yeah. making your best guess and as you said earlier, when you turn pro, you have to make all sorts of decisions about all sorts of things. You don't even have to think about when you're an amateur. And I think that, that for a lot of people is just, it comes as a massive, massive shock. No, definitely. You have to have the right people around you. And it's only within literally the last year that I have the right people around me. You know, like, it makes a difference. You know, I'm a fighter. Yeah, I'm just going to go, I want to fight. But then, so my coach comes in, this is where, you know, People like Chris Lloyd come in, would, you know, because I spoke to him about it and I spoke to Richard Moore about it and I spoke to people that I, I believed would give me, you know, a balanced opinion. I mean, if I'd spoken to you about it, then maybe I would have had a, you know, a different opinion. I just had to go on what I had at the time. And who knows? Maybe I did make a mistake. Maybe I didn't. I think the only thing that's yeah, going to tell we us don't is, actually is, know is time. Yet. We don't actually know yet. That's the I, thing. These, these things will, will I will put this out. out there, though. I think um, it's very interesting with Katie Taylor moving up because I foresaw this, and I said to my manager, I said, get me a belt. I said, get me a belt, because um, I think the WBO was vacant at one point. I was looking on Wikipedia. I said, get me that belt. It wasn't happening. The, it was a bit strict with um, the British Border Control. They said they had to have this amount of fights, and they had to pick opponents. Then the IBF was available, and I said, get me that belt. I said, I think, get me that belt. I think it still is. Yeah. The IBF possibly. I know but the WBO we definitely was. You're right because I think she won it back in March, Linda Dartu, yeah. against someone I'd never heard of, I and think she's the, defended it against someone I've never heard was, of. The IBF is sanctioning a fight for the IBF, from what my team had told me, and it was like, and I said to my, I said to my promoter, I said, I told you to get me this belt because from the beginning she was talking about Celia Barakas, so she's not just going to be lightweight and shoot to welterweight. I know she'd have to come up, and I, I knew with a big promoter I think that's just common sense if you have that belt she can't avoid you but now if she's moving up and she fights with this belt and that belt she can avoid you she can avoid not her personally but her team can avoid Chantal Cameron they don't need it anymore they're, they're okay at lightweight they come up to super lightweight they just literally go after what they want they can't avoid you know that fight and I think Chantal and Kate Taylor would have been a fantastic fighter lightweight but once again, I think when you're with a big promoter, they have a plan. They've done it a long time and they plan it in a certain way. And unless you literally get there before them, it's very hard to kind of, you know, get to that position. I think that's something that I think needs to be highlighted as well. I think Chantel Cameron deserves her shot. 
with Katie Taylor and she's having to again come up a weight to try position herself in a place where she can make that happen and hopefully she can but that's a fight that me as a boxing fan I want to see I want I wanted to see that lightweight you know but again it's just it's one of those things how do you see the the gap narrowing if it is narrowing and if it isn't how how do you think that should be achieved between men's and women's boxing as as I said uh, near the start we we Ideally, we don't want to be differentiating between the two, but in reality, in the real world, the mechanics of the sport, boxing is boxing. Mm. But in terms of the business side of it, things are, things are different. I remember reading some comments, hearing some comments from, from Heather Hardy, big name, and she was saying how for a big card she was on two, three years ago, so recently, she sold $40,000 worth of tickets, got paid $7,000, uh, and they put her on before they opened the doors. Mm. And... At the end of last October, she had a rematch with Shelley Vincent. Big fight, brilliant fight, the first fight. Uh, it was on NBC, actually. And they'd been waiting for the right platform. HBO, one of the final HBO cards, put it on. But they said to them, we'll put you on, but we don't want to pay you. Mm. Now, are we still in that place where you get the feeling that you're just required to... Do you want the truth to, or the to, lie? The, the truth, are you, are you, do you get the feeling that people just think you should just be grateful no, that you're being allowed to I do this at all? I think we live in the stone ages. And I, I, I don't... I was saying to people the other day, I don't want to talk about men and women's boxing. Why can't it just be boxing? It really peeves me off. Like, Same with us, and that's what we try to achieve, but the yeah, reality I mean, reality is, on the is, business that side. is, we need to, unfortunately. I mean, I'll give an example. We were talking about someone being appointed as a coach because she was a female. Now, the first question I asked was, is it based on her CV or is it based on the fact that she's a female? Because to me, it's irrelevant. It was, it was like to do with a coaching thing, but we're still in the Stone Ages. I think promoters are still testing the waters. You know, why is it, that, you know, no disrespect, and I don't mean it like this, but Frank Warren, how many females has he, has he signed? Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. He's just got one, doesn't he, Kate? Uh, Nicola uh, Adams, Nicola. So th- this is hardly boxed. This is, this, is, this is the problem. You need to start signing people. You need to start taking them on. Because from, from me, if Eddie Hearn said, right, I'll put you on a matchroom show, I'll say... I want 50 quid. Why do you want 50 quid? So I can pay for my coach's expenses to get there. How about that? Just because it's the platform that we need. We live in the stone ages still, and I don't know why. I don't know why people are still scared, but it's how everything starts. They're scared, and eventually one person says, we'll do it, and then it sets the kind of benchmark for everyone else. And I think promoters need to say, look, let's sign women. Let's start signing them up and make it, make it the norm. Well, I think from um, a television promoter point and a promotional point of view, I think promoters, TV companies particularly, are very much, we're in the equal rights era, aren't we, where it's never, things have never been more PC than they are now. And, mm. you know, Katie Taylor's had massive exposure. She's headlining the card 
in November in Manchester. You know, and she's got Joshua Bawatsi on that card. Crawler's having his last fight. So it is out there, but I suppose... You, you know, it's like you mentioned there, Frank Warren, what he needs to sign more women fighters. You know, Frank Warren's a businessman. Eddie yeah. Hearn's a businessman. And if these, you know, Katie Taylor was a, a two-time Olympian, Olympic gold medalist. She was an icon in Ireland. She'd won however many world championships and European championships. There was literally not a soul in Ireland doesn't know who Katie Taylor is. So mm. she's a bit of a one-off. Now, yeah. for other girls that are fighting on the card that aren't known, if you're already her or you're Frank Warren, you're, you're doing the numbers, you're paying the fee, you, you, you're, you're putting your card together and you're thinking, you know, you've got X amount of fighters that you've promised five fights a year to yeah. and you're trying to fulfill all your obligations and you, you're looking, you know, for example, let's say you're I'm Frank Warren, yeah, yeah, I'm putting yeah, yeah, you on yeah. the card. How many tickets are you going to sell? Is RBT going to be interested in that fight? Do you know what? Put it uh, this way. Know, they, like, these are the questions, aren't they? I mean, I respect, I, I like listening to different opinions. And, and just kind of trying to not come from a narrow point of view. But put it this way, before 2012, yeah, how many people were interested in women's boxing? No one really had any interest in it. And it, it, it shone such a brilliant light. And I even had a guy go, before that, he was going, I don't know why women are boxing, why are they boxing? And then all of a sudden, the same guy was like, they're so technical. So put it this way, if we have quality women's boxing on those shows, I'm telling you, one, as a business sense, he's going to open the market up. Maybe people will start watching a little bit more different types of people, which means more uh, box office sales, you know, um, and going into things like that. I mean, you need to open the door. I mean, they're targeting one market. One, from a business point of view, if I target one market, it becomes almost like a niche. But if I target women and I put on this many women, then you start going, okay, now Matchroom has, let's say, uh, in theory, 10 women boxers and we have one female who talks about this and then talks about that, you start opening up the market and you start making more money. In a business context, you know, Saudi Arabia's coming up. Now imagine we've got the Chantel Cameron and me on, on that card. I'm a, I'm a gay black woman who's a Christian. Now, how, how, more, how much more controversial can you be than that? One, whether they think about it or not, it's one, it could be good for Saudi Arabia to have this. It could be good for matching to have this to say, look, we have this fighter who's this, blah, blah, blah. And this is what we're pushing for, equality. So there's ways in which you can look at things. And I don't know if these things are being discussed. You know, sometimes you need to be controversial to make a change. You know, it's, it's, thing, it's things like that that I'm looking at. Open the doors, start targeting different markets. It'd probably make a hell of a lot more money, you know. But that's kind of my kind of... Yeah, I hear you, I absolutely do I absolutely do and, and Matt you were saying there and you're right that, that it's about the bottom line if you're a boxing promoter but they all are, the, the bigger name ones anyway because they can maybe afford to be more they're gamblers, they are risk takers, that, that's their very very nature, I understand for the smaller hall shows where they barely make any money anyway, they're not going to risk anything mm. they're not going to risk anything but the bigger promoters, it's in their blood to try new things and and there has to be more of a, a kind of trickle down, I think, from the success of someone like Katie Taylor. As you pointed out, she was a superstar in Ireland, and that's an unusual situation. I don't think we're far away from her headlining a pay-per-view, yeah. to be honest. I really don't think we're far away. Far away we're, from, we're it's a, bit of, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation, yeah. isn't it? I mean, look, I have so much respect for the likes of Katie Taylor. Like, I look up to her, you know? She's at my weight, but I'd still be like, it's Katie Taylor, you know, and Nicola Adams. But 
no disrespect to them when I say this, there's also other good females out there that are just not getting that attention. You've got people like Stacey Copeland. She went to the Worlds and won a silver, silver medal for her country, but no one talks about her. You've got people that win the elites all the time. If I was Eddie Hearn, I'd be going to the elites, looking at the male fighters and looking at the female fighters and going, I want the best of the best, you know, and, and, and go from that. Because there's, there's women out there that I see and they're grafting and they're working and they're just not getting the attention that they need because everything now is based on social media. So if you've got a great boxer and they've got 2,000 followers and they're not verified and they don't have the support behind them, because it's a business, which is to some degree a little bit sad, they don't get noticed and, you know, it, it kind of floats off there. And I think you can hear my frustration because not, it's not only me, it's other females. And that's why, you know, I've reached out to yourself and other people because I'm trying to show that there's another side to boxing that people don't talk about. No, you're right, there is. And, and it's one that if you're in the business, you're, you're, you're aware of. Were you shocked then when you turned pro at just how much of a popularity contest it is when you're a novice professional? And, and that applies to mm. men, women, everybody. You know, you'll see somebody who can sell tickets, they will get on shows and they will keep them undefeated whilst they're selling those tickets. Yeah. They might not box anyone. They might not even be interested in boxing anyone, but they sell some tickets and so they will find favour with a promoter much more easily than someone who is good mm. but can't sell tickets. It's almost the worst thing to be. It's be a good, business. But unable to sell tickets. It's a business. It's not it's not it's not the amateurs anymore and that's the biggest shock. It's a business. It's about making money. But I also think in a business context, sometimes you need to invest. Sometimes the short term investment becomes the long term profit. It, it is and like I said earlier there, and, and the example he used, you know, he had Pat Maxwell, good fighter, dangerous opponent, didn't sell any tickets, brought no money to the table, didn't have any backing. You know, he's not going to get 10 weeks. No, it's, uh, uh, and then you've got someone like Gennady Golovkin, who was who world champion, undefeated, standout amateur, uh, TVR behind him, but no one wants to fight him because he's that, you know, he, he's knocking people out. So, but he understood... He understood the importance in staying busy. He, I mean, I fought Golovkin and, and I got more money than him and he was world champion. Do you know what I mean? Like, he understood that he had to take the short end of the stick yeah. time and time and time again, but eventually he will get there yeah. and he will get there. And, he, and in the end, he got there. You know, he, he, he back, he, I think but he got 20 million for the first my question Canelo was, fight. Was, was, go, was Golovkin a B-sider? So was Golovkin a B-sider? Was it Golovkin with a small promoter? Like, put it this way. Money talks, right? So, but, but, he, but he, re, relatively speaking, he was. You yeah. know what I mean? He was. He was very much avoided. He was world champion. Yeah. He was still avoided. Yeah. He wasn't packing out shows, but the his, his team, his promoters worked hard, and he believed in their plan. He stayed active, and he took the short end of the stick. He took the short money, even though he was the champion. He didn't care about ASOP. He took. He was the world champion, but and he took only, the short end of you, the money. But you can only do that for so long, and, and obviously he had some backers who could soak that up for a certain period of time, but if you're in the situation that you're in, you can't do that forever. You can't mm. do that forever, can you? I mean, it's, it is... No, you can't, and, and if, you never, if it hadn't worked out, and it hadn't got the Canelo fortune, and it hadn't earned 20 million, you'd have said, oh... He shouldn't have done what he did, and it, it, yeah. it's all—it's all a gamble, isn't it? Yeah. Every business is a gamble. It's educated mm. gamble. Everything's a judgment call. But 
I, and I'm just, I, I can hear the pain. Yeah. I can hear the frustration in your voice. And I'm feeling it for you. Cause, yeah, and I know yeah. that frustration. I've, I've been there. I've been on both ends. I've been the guy who's the A-side, the promoter's blue-eyed boy. And I've been the person thinking, oh, when am I going to get my shot? What, what about me? What about me? You know, I've been there. I've, uh, so when I hear fighters talking, I feel their pain. But then the other part of me thinks, well, you know, when you get a chance, you know, you, you, it's like, like the Pat Maxwell thing. You, you're not going to get 10 weeks notice. You've got to be prepared to take a two weeks or a three. That's why it's imperative you stay in shape. Yeah. You don't blow up in weight. I mean, put it this way. The, the fight with Chantel. She's a full-time athlete. I wanna, I'm going to try and spin it on its head. She's a full-time athlete. I work. So I, I work a minimum. Minimum to be able to just be okay. 15 to 20 hours a week early mornings, sometimes late nights. They offer, for example, £5,000. I've got to now get cover for work. And, my work, play, and I work, I'm a freelancer, so I work in two different gyms. One gym might be cool, the other gym might not be. Then, if I take that fight at this time, for example, this is what I'm, this is what I'm, I'm just kind of, kind of going off what I'm thinking. I had this hand injury, I've been in the gym, but I'm not hitting anything. I fight her, I lose, I get injured. I don't have anything covering me I would still have to go to work if I got injured or if I didn't get injured who is going to provide for me and it's these are the things that I'm, I'm I just want to fight I just want to fight and I think it would have been a wicked fight for women's boxing win or lose but then all these things are not factored in and that made me after the fight with Kirsty Bramington and she she was a tough opponent and I was like it's a different step from six to ten and I was like for the first time, and it was the same week when a couple of fighters had died, I went into that fight, didn't earn any money. What if I had got hurt? What if I had got injured? Who looks after me? Who pays for me? And these are the things that are not spoken about. And these are the things that I was losing sleep over. Or if I get hurt and something serious happens to me, who's going to look after, you know, my partner? Or and, and it's like, it hurts. Like, and you'll hear it in my voice. It really hurts. I'm like, what do I do? I don't have the same odds. I'm the underdog. And I'm a fighter and I just want to fight. But that's where my coach and my team comes in and says, Sherelle, you are not worth this amount of money. Think about work, think about this, think about that, think about this. And it, it, it hurts because I really feel like that fight would have been brilliant. But I've got all these odds and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? It's, 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 not, it's just not the same being on the B side as it is to an A side. And like I said, I would fight on matchroom or the Warren show for £50 and that would be for my coach's expenses just for the exposure just so I can get my following up so Nike would approach me or Adidas would approach me because right now they won't if I had a commercial deal I could be full time so it's things like this that you know I've kind of learned in a really short space of time sorry to ramble but it's no no of, listen yeah. no by all means this, this is what yeah. we want to hear um but you made me more hungry. You're making me want to go upstairs and get on no, the treadmill. No, and definitely. And, <laughs> and the frustration and the, 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 the anger, can, can, the, the defiance drives you on. But um, I suppose it comes down to, in the end, they say, we only regret the chances we didn't take, mm-hmm. not the ones that we did. Yeah. That's you very know. true. Well, there is that, but... At the same time, as you say, we don't know. We don't know what the next few months might bring. But it's just so interesting listening to you talk about it because it's it's such a difficult, brutal business boxing. And I think I there mean, are lots the, of things the that go. I think there are lots of things that go on that people don't really 
understand. They mm. don't really realise it. And you touched on one there, which, which people don't really like to talk about all that often. But we all thought about it that week when there were those two ring deaths. Boxers can't get insurance. I think that's something else that people don't really kind of... If promoters could get insured for shows, yeah. boxers can't get insured. I think we have £50,000 the board, British Board of Control if we get injured or something like that. I've kind of briefly read it. I should have read it properly. If there's a death, I think my family would get paid £50,000. Um, other than that, again, you know, it's things like that. What do I do? This, I mean, BXR have been so supportive. They're very flexible and maybe they would be different, but I'm a freelancer. I work in another gym. They may not be so, you know, so it's interesting. Sure, how old are you now? How old do I look? I, don't, I have no <laughs> 33. idea. 33. So I, I, know, I know that I probably, for me, have another three years left in boxing. Yeah. I haven't really had that many amateur fights. I mean, you know, if, if you were 23, yeah. I'd probably say, yeah, you know what, stick around, you, t- you know, you'll get another shot, blah, blah, you know, you'll come around, just, stay, just keep winning, just stay yeah, busy, yeah. keep winning, and you'll get your chance. And, and I'm sure you will again, and I hope you do, because there, yeah. isn't, there isn't, you know, it's not like there's hundreds and hundreds of women boxers at your weight, of your ability. But, so you put your manager's hat on. The decision's been made now, it's happened. We don't need to mm. revisit any anymore. But with your experience, what would you, what would you advise now? When was your last fight? 20th of July. Okay, well, I... I Try and get out and get a win ASAP. Well, I, I'll tell you a bit about that. I've got to pay for my belts. You know, we, we have to... I have to cover my opponent. I have to cover the judges. I have to cover the referee. I have to pay for the belt. I have to pay for the sanctioning fees. For the fight that we're looking at, we're looking at £15,000. And again, this is something that people don't talk about. You know, is my promoter going to put up that money? Or do I have to raise that in, in tickets? You know, whereas in a, on a bigger promoter's side that'd be paid for you don't worry about that but £15,000 to go for a belt yeah but the only reason a a promoter's going to pay that money is if he's investing it yeah, and he's yeah, investing yeah. it if he sees where you're going yeah. where he's going to get that money small back small hall promoters don't really care to be honest like I'm lucky enough to have an alright one but £15,000 uh, but recently the girl that we, were, that we wanted to fight has been stripped of a title so we're looking at now in the region of £9,000. Me and my team have to find that. That means I'm looking at taking out my own money savings to, to put that into a fight that's coming up. So again, these are things that are not spoken about. The glossy side is, but not the, you know, the, the other side of it. That chimes in with something John Pegg said to us a few weeks ago. I don't know if you remember, Matt. We were talking about Craig Cunningham. Craig Cunningham beat Anthony Agogo three years ago now. Wasn't supposed to happen Anthony mm-hmm. Gogo was a house fighter but he did and he picked up a ranking belt I think it was a WBC and John Pegu looks after him he said WBC came to them and just said right so um, so what have you got for us what fight are you going to put on what you know where, where are our sanctioning fees and, and because if you can't do it then we'll strip you of the belt and, and John says listen listen we, we, we haven't got TV we can't do that we'll fight anyone you know anybody who wants to have a crack at this belt, belt will do it because I have no choice Mm. Uh, and in the end, Ritzo Suleiman kind of got involved and said, look, you can't strip somebody just because they haven't got the money to put on a, a nice, bright, shiny defence. But this is this is how it is, isn't it? This is how it works. And, and as you say, people don't people don't kind of see that side of it. And that, that is a hell of a lot of money to have to find 15 grand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the business of boxing, it's, mm. and there's so many... 
you, you can't sit down and explain the business of boxing in an hour because there's a there's a million different scenarios where things change. So that's why, you know, it's like guiding someone's career or managing, you know, um, no one can map out how the next five years is going to. We don't know what's going to happen. Is mm. Sky going to still be involved? Or the zone going to come over? Is, is boxing going to be on BT? Who knows what way yeah. it's going to go? So what you what you if someone's guiding your career, you need that person to, to you need to have faith and trust in that person that he will know what to do as and when. And that and that's because he's experienced. It's a because mm. judge- it's always a judgment call. None of us, are, no one's got a crystal ball. But we, we, we use our experience to make a judgment call. Do you still love it, though? Boxing. I always love it. I like, I like hitting things. <laughs> no, no, you know, I, lo- I love it. Like, and that's, a, that's the thing. That's why it's I love hate. Isn't it? it sounds like it's love hate. I hate the side that no one talks about. But for me, boxing has really changed my life. Like, it's, I can't imagine my life right now without it. And I think it, it gives me something to focus on. Um, at this moment in time and, and the and good outweighs the bad yeah it yeah, definitely it. does it definitely does but it harks back to something you often say which is that when whenever we speak to anybody who's maybe got to the top of the of, of the pro game when you talk to them about their boxing career the fondest memories they have all of them really are from the amateurs because life was simpler then yeah I, I, I think the days when I was boxing for Young England they were down at Crystal Palace Paul Smith and Craig Lyon, Terry Fletcher, all the lads. And, and, and they, they were, I think, the... I, I, I love the pro game. I loved my pro career. I met so many fantastic people along the way. I wouldn't even change the downsides because it's all part of the journey. And yeah. you have to taste... To appreciate the sweet, you have to taste the bitter. And, and that is so true. But I think just for pure enjoyment and, yeah, I, th- I think the, the, those amateur days, those international trips away difficult to beat them mm. okay so I think we'll probably leave it there we like to do around about an hour these days and we're just ticking up towards towards an hour it, it's been it's been one of the most interesting ones we've done this I think because I was aware of the things that go on I was to an extent aware of your aware of your situation but it's the first time we sat down with somebody who's told us firsthand. And we've had to look you in the eye and hear it. And it's, it's hard to hear, isn't yeah, it? It's hard I, to hear. I, no, it is. And, and, and especially, I can, I can hear it in her <laughs> voice, the frustration. And, and, I, and I feel it because I have been there myself at times in my career. I've had times when I was up at the top and mm. I was the blue-eyed boy and I was the promoter's, you know, A-side, all the rest, whatever. But I've had times when then I've had a couple of losses and I was at the you know, so and I know what that pain is like when mm. you're waiting for that phone call, you're waiting for an opportunity. It, it's hard, man. It's difficult. It, yeah. it, it's it's forget the hard training, forget the hard fights. I'm on about the disappointments. That's probably the hardest part of the lot. Picking yourself up. Go, but they say, don't they? What's the uh, success is going from disappointment after disappointment yeah. without losing enthusiasm, yeah. Yeah. and that that's something I think that every person who gets there yeah. has got that in them. Got I that think character. It's, it's also about educating the people that want to turn pro, making sure they have the right information. I'm I'm from a working class background, right, and we're taught a certain way, and we may not be educated in certain stuff, you know, in regards to business. And if you ask me now, I'd say I'm business savvy. I know how to kind of negotiate and ask questions and, you know, get advice and stuff. But if you'd asked me before, no way. 
if you if I have a promoter or a manager that sits down in front of me and goes, I'll give you five hundred quid if you sign with me, that's a lot of money to someone like me. Five hundred quid. I mean, times change and you start earning more or whatever, but you offer me that kind of money or a thousand pounds, you know? That's why people that's why people sign and, and another thing is that's why you have journeymen. You know, you offer, you offer you offer a kid from a working class background, listen mate, you go in there, you take an L, we'll give you two grand. They're gonna say yes because it's more than we've ever had. So it's it's also those things that people need to talk about. If you, I would say my advice is, if you want to be pro, ask people, get advice, ask people who are in it, how their promoter is, what promoter to stay away from, you know, who can help and who doesn't. And I think that would kind of control the kind of the pain and the, the, the letdowns that people are going through. I think that's a, the last point I wanted to raise. Absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of people in boxing do listen to this. We get people tell us that all the time. So if, if this has struck a chord and you want to you reach, reach out and you want to help, then, then you'll be able to find Terrell uh, comfortably on social media. Throw those out. <laughs> Addresses, social media. Oh, I thought you said, okay. So I am Sherelle.brown on Instagram and I am Boxing Brown on, Insta, uh, on Twitter. Sorry. So it would be great to, to revisit this few months down the line and see and see what's happened hopefully hopefully positive things because it is it is a hard road it is a hard grind people look at what happens in the ring and, and the adversity you have to overcome there but boxing is a fight in every just every department really it's not just when the bell goes it's it's pretty much 24 7 and i wish you the very best of luck with it thanks thank for you. having us down here today no, yeah thanks for having, having us and i wish you the very yeah, best of luck thank you so that's it for Macklin's Take for, for this edition. Thanks very much for listening as always. And again, as, as we always say, we're always just looking to bring you different angles and a different viewpoint of the sport. So if you can find the time to get onto iTunes and give us a rate uh, and write a review and subscribe and all of those things, uh, that'll be great. And we'll be back again soon. Get someone sneaking round a corner could that someone be Mac the Knife? There's a tugboat down by the river, don't you know? Where a cement bag just... Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.